Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Kilowatt. My name is Bodie, and I am your host. And man, oh man, I'm recording on a Monday. Let's just say I did not have the best weekend ever. I had a lot of stuff that needed to get done. Birthday parties, martial arts for the kids, swim for the kids. It was extraordinarily busy. And then that all gets capped off this morning while I'm taking my kids to school. I get rear-ended. And now I got to go to the body shop and, and get that fixed which means we will be without our car for a while. We'll get a rental, but we'll be without our car for a while, which stinks because our car is really comfy and we like it. But yeah, it's just been, it's been three days of just go, 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 go. Like just to give you an idea, I went to bed before nine o'clock every single night from Friday to now, which not unheard of, but not normal. So let's get right into the things that I like. Pod skins. So I got some AirPods recently and I didn't, I like the case. I like how smooth the case is for the Apple AirPods. And I didn't want to get them all banged up. So I got this silicon case called Podskins AirPod case. And it works out really well. I'll put a link to it, the case in the show notes. It's about seven bucks. So well worth the extra little bit to keep the case protected. And then I want to say congratulations to two members of the Kilowatt community. One member recently took delivery of a white Model X, and I've seen pictures. It's beautiful. And the other member took delivery of, or will soon take delivery of, a Galactic Gray Hyundai Kona EV. The Galactic Gray is an amazing color. It's kind of like a muted gray, but it's still shiny. It looks really good on that car. So congratulations to those families. That's awesome. It's the first of the month, so I want to thank our Patreon supporters. And I am just going to go right off the Patreon list. Sierra, who is, you know, my child. Nate, Mark, John, James, Ian, Leon, Don, Dale, Chris, Chip, and Cameron. And then Eric is a follower of Patreon, which you can do. You can follow the Kilowatt Patreon and you don't have to pay anything. You just kind of follow the feed. So you are more than welcome to do that as well. You don't have to pay, but go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt to check it out. Or you can uh, go to supportkilowatt.com. Either way, it takes you to where you need to be. That leads me to the Patreon exclusive this week, which we are going to talk about the Porsche Taycan 
And more specifically, we're going to, I pulled some clips from the live stream. Okay, we're going to start off with something a little unprecedented for this show. This was just announced as I'm recording this. VW unveils production version of the ID3. The car is going to start under $33,000 with a range of 340 miles. You'll have to forgive me. I've not gone through this. I'm just going through the web page now because I haven't even had a chance to look it up. Let's see. We're looking at... 33,000 US dollars or 30,000 euros, 340 miles of range on the higher end, 500, 500, 550 kilometers. I feel like I'm talking with milk in my mouth for some reason. Uh, let's see. The basic variant is going to have a 45 kilowatt hour battery. It'll have a range of up to 330 kilometers. Let's see here. What does that make that up? 330 kilometers is like 180 miles. Let me look. This is not very professional. 205 miles for the beginning variant, which is uh, right about $33,000. The mid-range will have a range of, let's see, it'll have a 58 kilowatt hour battery and a range of up to 420 kilometers, doing the math again in the Google, which is 260 miles. And then, let's see, does it give a price on that one? Nope, no exact pricing yet on that one. The last one will have 550 kilometers, which, you know, goes back to the 340 miles there. And no price on the long-range model as of yet. So some good news. That's very compelling for the ID3. Let's see. don't really see any great pictures in this Fred Lambert story. There looks to be some artist renderings, but I don't... Oh, there's the interior. So it looks like it's got a nice futuristic-looking instrument cluster and then a much smaller infotainment system that sits up above the dash, similar to how the Model 3 is, but nowhere near as pretty as the Model 3. The gas pedal and brake pedal look neat. Um, yeah, so we'll keep an eye on this. I'm sure we'll get more information as the Frankfurt Auto Show goes on. So let's get right into the real show here. Our first story comes from Clean Technica's Kyle Field. Nikola Motors has raised $250 million from CNH Industrial, CNHI as it's abbreviated, will help Nikola bring its three hydrogen power semi trucks to production. The partnership will also allow Nikola to manufacture their semis in Europe, or at least one of them. Nikola is seeking a total of $1 billion in a Series D funding, and with this investment, they're at least a quarter of the way there. Nikola is also working to roll out a single-rate lease plan that will cover service, maintenance, and fuel costs. Don't know if that's unique in the trucking industry or not. When you roll in the fuel costs, that seems like a unique leasing plan. Our next story comes from Autoblog's Zach Palmer. The Frankfurt Auto Show starts this week, which I'm sure we'll see a ton of news later in the week from that. But we do have a little updated news on the Honda E. And if you don't know what the Honda E is, you should take a peek at it. It's a really cool looking car. I think it's one of the most overlooked EVs coming to market, which is unfortunate because it is a cool little EV. The Honda E is designed primarily for city driving and has the specs to prove it. Their range is 137 miles or 220 kilometers. 
the Honda E will be released in two forms. The first is the base model, which will have 134 horsepower, and the upgraded E will produce 152 horsepower, 0 to 60 in 8 seconds, or 0 to 62 in 8 seconds, or 100 kilometers an hour. And let's see, they both have a 35.5 kilowatt hour battery and charge 0 to 80% in 30 minutes. The Honda E will not come to the United States or North America, which is really unfortunate because I do think there's a market here for the vehicle. Clean Technica's Joshua Hill has our next story. We're going to talk about New Zealand, one of my favorite countries that I have yet to travel to, but I will one day. Utility companies Vector Limited and Watercare are building their first solar, excuse me, their first floating solar array. The array will be located in the North Shore area of Auckland. It will produce twice as much electricity as New Zealand's current largest solar array, so pretty pretty good sized system. The floating array will be made up of 2,700 solar panels, and the result will be a reduction of 145 tons of CO2 each year. So good job, New Zealand. If you live in New Zealand and have thoughts on this, let me know, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com, because we have plenty of listeners in New Zealand. I don't know if we have any in the Auckland area. When I look at the podcast analytics, New Zealand's consistently in the top 10 for downloads for this show, Kilowatt. So I know you're out there, so if you want to let me know what you think, again, Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital.com. Our next story comes from Teslarati, Joey Kinder. Someone on Twitter asked Elon when the Tesla truck reveal would be. Elon replied, November most likely. Based on Elon's past optimistic timelines, I'm going to say we'll see the Tesla pickup truck sometime in November, December, or early next year. While the Tesla pickup truck is exciting, Tesla has a lot going on, and I'd like to see them take their time. I know that's vague, but Tesla has a lot of irons in the fire when you think about Gigafactory 3 and their search for Gigafactory 4 in Europe and the Tesla Semi and the Roadster and the Model 3, whilst is doing great at the moment, they are still not where they thought they would be a year ago with the 10,000 cars a month or a week. I think it was 10,000 cars a week. So, you know, just, you know, take your time, Tesla. If you don't get the Tesla pickup truck, announced until February, that's totally okay because it probably won't be released until 2022 anyway. Our next couple of stories come from Fred Lambert. You can now get a Model 3 that is 100% leather free. Some famous race car driver or former race car driver, I'm not sure which, announced that she got the cover replaced for $550 and I think it was $100 or $50 for the install. I can't remember. Do your own diligence on the pricing, but 600 bucks or 650 bucks to to replace that leather steering wheel is it's a lot, especially when you consider it's already on the steering wheel. So replacing it while it might be a moral win, the cow already died to put it on the steering wheel. So I don't know why you would replace it unless you were really morally against having a leather steering wheel and in that case godspeed. We talked a few weeks ago about Tesla Energy and their new solar rental program. If you aren't familiar with the rental plan, here's a quick rundown. Tesla will install one of the following systems on your house for free, and then you pay a monthly charge. That's renting it. It's not a lease. It's a rental program. If you decide you no longer want the system, you call Tesla and you pay $1,500 and they'll remove the system. So 3.8 kilowatt uh, system is $50. 7.6 kilowatt is 100 
and an 11.4 kilowatt is $150. Add a bit more if you live in California, because for some reason their prices are higher. The big change here is that Tesla is removing the $1,500 fee. So when you're done renting your solar array or your solar system, you just call them up and they take it off for free. They put it on for free. They take it off for free. Other than a little bit of inconvenience on your part, it's pretty low barrier to entry. And actually, I've been talking to my sister-in-law about this. She just bought a small house and she was thinking about having solar panels added onto the home. And I mentioned this, but she was concerned about the $1,500 fee to remove it because that's a lot of money. But now... You know, if she doesn't want them up there anymore, she's finding it's not working for her on her house, then she can just have it removed, which is pretty sweet. Parks Canada is getting some free car charging stations from Tesla. So uh, Parks Canada is the agency in charge of Canada's national parks. Tesla is donating charging stations to more than 50 federal parks in Canada. The charging stations will have both Tesla and J1772 connectors. Tesla will provide Parks Canada with wall connectors for Teslas and universal chargers for all other EVs like the Hyundai Kona, which takes the J1772 connector. To be clear, these are not superchargers. Tesla has said it's working on adding both supercharger and destination chargers to Canada, which would be really convenient if somebody wanted, I don't know, to travel from one side of the country to the other and actually have chargers so that they can charge their vehicles as they do it. But this is a really good start. I don't know if it's going to help everybody in Canada, but it is a nice gesture by Tesla, especially when you consider not only are they adding their own wall connectors, they're also adding the J1772 connector for other electric vehicles, which they didn't have to do. So it's just it's just nice of Tesla to do that. Let's move on to our next story. Tesla insurance was finally launched last week. Well, kind of. It was launched in California. So if you live outside of California, you're out of luck. When Elon announced that Tesla was going to get into the insurance business, one of the things that we wanted to know is, is Tesla going to base your rate on the driver data that the car has? Because the car has all of your data in terms of driving. Well, right now what Tesla does is they have an algorithm and the data that the algorithm is pulling from is all supposed to be anonymized. And that's how they're getting their rates now. At some point, Tesla is going to request access to that driver data. It'll be an opt-in scenario. If you opt in, I would assume that you get a better insurance rate. I see this going one of two ways. The first way is you have two sets of customers, the opt-ins and the opt-outs. Now, for this scenario, we'll make it really easy. If you didn't opt in to sharing your driver data with Tesla, you're going to pay a higher rate than the people who did share their data with Tesla. Now, that's really simplistic. And the second way that this could play out is Tesla just puts it into your contract that if you sign the contract and agree to be a Tesla insurance customer, then you agree to share your data, driving data with Tesla. Let's say that Tesla goes with the first option. You have the folks that opt in and the folks that effectively opt out of sharing their data. And let's say the second group, the folks that opt out of sharing their data, get into a car accident. Does Tesla Motors share that data that you did not give them permission to share with Tesla insurance? 
It's definitely a sticky wicket that Tesla could get themselves into here. I'm sure that Tesla is going to cover itself from a legal standpoint, but that doesn't necessarily mean that that's going to be the best for the consumer. It'll be interesting to see how this plays out. Back to the insurance itself, Tesla said their rates will be 20 to 30% lower than other insurance companies. But there is a scenario when, yes, they may be able to save a customer 20 to 30% on their car insurance, but a lot of U.S. insurance companies offer bundles. So if you bundle your home and your auto into one plan, then you get a discount on your home and auto. Can Tesla insurance save Tesla owners enough money that it makes sense to unbundle your home and your auto because most people have two cars and i'm going to say that most of the people that i see anyway don't have two teslas they have one ice car and one tesla so i guess what i'm bringing up here is it's a complicated market especially here in the united states i don't know how other countries do their auto insurance and their home insurance but at least here in the u.s it's very complicated now there are people on Twitter who have mentioned that Tesla rates are a little higher than what they're currently paying. And there are some people that have said, oh, it saves me a little bit of money. So that's great. Tesla is giving consumers more options. So whether this works for you, it doesn't work for you. It's going to work for somebody else. And then that's another A, revenue stream for Tesla and B, option for consumers. One more thing on this and then we'll move on. Tesla is offering Tesla insurance initially in markets where it's very expensive to insure a Tesla. And then I'm sure they're going to expand from there to more Tesla-friendly markets. Our next story comes from Reuters, and it's a follow-up. In 2018, we talked about a 2014 Model S that hit a fire truck that was parked on the interstate, Interstate 405 to be more specific. The NTSB, National Transportation Safety Board, has confirmed that autopilot was engaged when the Model S hit the back of the fire truck. The driver had his hands off the wheel for 51 seconds prior to the accident occurring. In that 51 seconds, the driver was alerted several times to put his hands back on the wheel. Now, (laughs) this is where the driver gets really candid here. The driver was enjoying a cup of coffee and a bagel. Or changing the radio, he couldn't quite remember, but he wasn't paying attention. So I want everybody to, unless you're driving, to close your eyes and picture this scenario. You're in bumper-to-bumper traffic. You're traveling at 21 miles per hour. You have autopilot engaged. Let's pretend we're all driving Teslas here. You have a vehicle in front of you. Let's call them the, we'll use football terms, the lead blocker. So the lead blocker has been in front of you for several miles. You're keeping, or the Tesla autopilot is keeping a safe distance between you and the lead blocker. The lead blocker sees that there's a fire truck and an accident on the freeway. You're not paying attention, but the lead blocker is paying attention. And they decide, oh, that's an accident. I need to pull to the right, which is what you're supposed to do if you're on the freeway or on a roadway. You need to pull a lane further away from the accident. So if the accident's on the left side of the road, you pull to the right and vice versa. If it's on the right side of the road, you're supposed to pull to the left. You're supposed to give the emergency responders some room. That's really important because people die or get seriously injured. So we want to keep first, as a first responder, we want to keep first responders safe. Anyway, your lead blocker has moved to the right because the accident was on the left, has moved to the right, giving the emergency responders some room to work. Now you're not paying attention You have the Tesla autopilot, the cruise control set at 80 miles an hour. You have distance between you and the fire truck. And we already know that the 
Tesla Autopilot is not great at seeing big parked vehicles. All the Tesla Autopilot is seeing is this wide open space where it can now go from 21 miles an hour all the way up to 80 miles an hour. So the car accelerates and then you hit the back of the fire truck. Now in this scenario, way back in 2018, we're gonna take ourselves out of the car for a second. The Model S was actually traveling at 30 miles an hour because like I said, it was set to accelerate to 80, but it went from 21 and then got to 30 and then it hit the fire truck. The owner of the Tesla is being really open and honest about the accident. And ultimately it's the driver of the car who's responsible, not the autopilot. All right, let's get to our next story, which comes to us from John Volker from Green Car Reports and some other people. This is an amalgamation of a bunch of articles that I read. However, I didn't write the other authors down, but I will put them in the show notes. This is about the Porsche Taycan. Last week, Porsche showed off the Taycan in a really weird way, if I'm being honest. They showed it off at three different locations, Germany, Niagara Falls, which was the Canada side, in China. And at first I was like, why are they why are they showing it off in three different locations? That doesn't really make a lot of sense. But they showed it off in Germany because it was next to a solar farm. Niagara Falls is obviously hydropower and the location they chose in China had a bunch of wind turbines, although it was dark when they did the live stream in China. So you really didn't get to see the wind turbines. So probably didn't work out the way they wanted it to for China because Germany you see this beautiful solar farm in Niagara Falls you see obviously Niagara Falls this big beautiful waterfall huge waterfall and then in China you see a couple of blinking lights in the distance and maybe you can see a silhouette of a wind turbine but you really couldn't anyway what all of these things have in common is obviously renewable energy Porsche is building an electric vehicle so it makes sense there's synergy here. I watched the live stream, and I'll be honest, it was a bit disappointing. And I'm going to put this on the same disappointment level as the Model Y reveal. There was a lot of buildup, and at the very end, like the last five minutes of the presentation, they brought out the car, they set it on stage, and they didn't really show it off. The car just spun around, and that was the end of the presentation. It was a little disappointing. Initially, Porsche is going to release two models of the Taycan, the Turbo and the Turbo S. The internet police is going crazy, including Elon, because the Taycan doesn't have a turbo because it's an electric car. But Porsche has been using turbo in their branding since 1975. So it's not that big of a deal for Porsche to call it a turbo, the Taycan a turbo, because that's consistent with their branding. It makes sense to me. If you're in a Tesla and someone says, hit the gas, and you turn to them and you go, I'm sorry, this is an electric car. It doesn't have a gas pedal. It has an accelerator. Then you're kind of a dingus and uh, you should really reprioritize your life. Anyway, just kind of as a side note here that I thought was interesting is Porsche is increasing their investment in Rimac. So Rimac is a Croatian company that builds a pretty amazing electric supercar. I think they're right around $3 million. Currently, they're working on the Concept 2. Porsche now has 15.5% stake in Rimac, and I think that's a good partnership, and obviously they think it's a good partnership as well. Okay, back to the Taycan here. Both models are dual-motor, all-wheel drive, so that's cool. The Turbo S has more torque at 626 for the Turbo and 774 foot-pounds 
for the Turbo S. Horsepower is 670, obviously, for the Turbo, and the Turbo S is 750. Top speed is 161 miles per hour, which is 260 kilometers per hour. Zero to 60 or zero to 100 kilometers per hour is three seconds with the Turbo and 2.6 seconds with the Turbo S. Now that's with launch control on. They didn't really break out the numbers with launch control off, but I would guess that it's slower. Let's talk about charging in the battery. Initially, and I'm going off memory here, I think Porsche said it was 320 kilowatts for peak charge rate, but what they finally came in with initially was 270 kilowatts peak charge rate. The battery pack is a 93.4 kilowatt hour battery. LG Kim is supplying the batteries for the Taycan, but Porsche is also looking to secure a deal with CATL for lithium-ion batteries. Just a little background information there. There are charging ports on both sides of the car. The level 2 charging on the left front fender, and then there's a combined level 2 and DC fast charging on the right front fender. That switches if you're in a right-hand drive market versus a left-hand drive market. No Android Auto at the moment. It does have Apple Music, but no word on CarPlay. The price of this thing is insane. It's $150,000 for the Turbo and $185,000 for the Turbo S. Production on the Taycan starts today, September 9th. And the last thing that I want to talk about is the Tesla community's reaction to the Taycan. In a word, it's been childish. From Elon all the way down to Tesla fans who may or may not own a Tesla. People are comparing the Taycan to the Model S. They're blasting the Taycan for lacking features or specs. Let me give you an example of how silly this has gotten. Porsche set some record on a big racetrack in Germany. I'll be honest, I don't really care. I'm not going to buy a car based on if it set a record on a racetrack somewhere that I've never been or even heard of. But apparently in the auto community, it's a big thing. So putting that aside, they broke this record on this track and then Elon says, hey, Model S is on its way to Germany to race on this same track and to set a record to beat Porsche's record, which is silly. It is absolute silliness. It is not necessary. We do not need to be getting into a phallic measuring contest over electric cars. First, the racetrack has said, well, we're booked and we don't have any spots available for you to try and break this record anytime soon. Second, you haven't contacted us to break the record, even though they said the car is on its way. And now some F1 driver has decided that he'll drive the car to help break the record. It doesn't matter. None of that matters. Honest to gosh. Like, I'm so tired of hearing about it. Porsche has designed a beautiful car. Okay, it may not tick every single one of an enthusiast's boxes, but this is a beautiful car. And if you are somebody, and this is going right to Elon, if you are somebody that wants to push sustainable automobiles going forward, then you should be happy and not blasting the Taycan. This car cost, initially anyway, between $150,000 and $180,000. There are not many people out there that can afford to buy this car anyway. At some point, Tesla, or excuse me, Porsche will release a more affordable version of the car, but it isn't going to have anywhere near the specs that this car has. But ultimately, none of this matters. 
Porsche designed a car for a specific group of people that would enjoy this car. Not only a specific group of people that would enjoy this car, but a specific group of people who could actually afford this car. They didn't design it for every Tesla owner out there. And just because, like I said, it doesn't tick your boxes, doesn't make it a bad car. This is a beautiful car. As Tesla enthusiasts, we should be welcoming Porsche. I'm going to be not the first because Gene at Tesla Rati and there was another lady at Clean Technica that has said some similar things. This is not a car for you, Tesla enthusiasts. This is a car for a Porsche enthusiast and a Porsche enthusiast with means. All right, I'm going to jump back off my soapbox here and we're going to talk about our last story which, again, is an amalgamation of articles that I read. Inside EV, Stephen Loveday, Fred Lambert, and a few other Colorado University Boulder articles. Inside EVs noticed this job posting. Tesla is currently seeking a technician for manufacturing line we are developing. You'll be part of a new product line we are developing. Now... The category was under cell manufacturing, and the location was Fremont. So that led uh, Inside EVs to say, well, is that a battery cell manufacturing line, or are they going to put a plant in Fremont? Well, I don't know that there's proof that Tesla's going to put a battery line or manufacturing plant in Fremont. Tesla has acknowledged that they did put up a job posting that said these things, But that doesn't necessarily mean that it's going to be, like I said, a new line or a manufacturing facility. It could just be that they're building a laboratory or some sort of test facility in Fremont. There was also a similar posting in Colorado for a cell technician, and this is what the job posting said. We are looking for an engineering technician to assist anode development development and optimization R&D. Candidates should be familiar with lithium-ion cell chemistry and have experience building and assembling cells for performance testing. This candidate will be a key member of a cross-functional product development team. The job includes the fabrication of laboratory-scale lithium-ion anodes, electrode processing, laboratory-scale lithium-ion cell builds, and data analysis. The primary responsibilities of this position will be to assist in experimental planning and to carry out experiments and analysis. Now, this should not be a shock to anyone that Tesla is researching lithium-ion battery cells. That makes total sense to me. When I was reading this article, I remembered that there was a another article that I had read in the beginning of the summer about... It had something to do with some battery cell technology breakthrough and CU Boulder. Now, if you don't know about CU Boulder, it's a pretty impressive school, especially for science and engineering. Famous alumni include Steve Wozniak, the Apple co-founder, Peter Tietz, president of Lockheed Martin, former president, Sanford McDonald, president and CEO of McDonald Douglas, Tim Gill, founder of Quark, and last but not least, the co-creators of South Park, Trey Parker and Matt Stone. So pretty impressive group of alumni. There was actually a, quite a big list of famous alumni that went to this school. Moving on, I started doing some research about battery technology breakthroughs in CU Boulder. I found the article that I was originally looking for, but I also found this article and I thought we could talk about it for just a moment. CU Boulder researchers have developed a high-performance battery that could be used for renewable energy storage. 
The type of battery that they're working on is called a flow battery. Now, I am going to try and explain this in a way that makes sense because I barely understand it if I'm being honest. But here's what it sounds like. You have one liquid material and one set of tanks. And then there's a holding tank and then there's like the chamber. And then you have a membrane. And then you have another different type of liquid that is in another holding tank and chamber. Now, in the chamber, there's that membrane separating those two liquids when those two liquids come into contact with the membrane that somehow generates electricity i hope that that makes sense this type of battery is not going to be used in like consumer electronics or evs it's designed to operate on a very large scale the flow battery that cu boulder researchers developed uses chromium and organic binding agents and this combination makes the batteries very efficient the materials used to make these batteries are abundant in nature and non-toxic, and it looks like manufacturing could be very cost-effective. According to researchers, the flow battery that they've developed is much more efficient than using a bunch of little lithium-ion cells. And the other bonus is the materials used, like I said, are non-toxic. To me, this is really interesting stuff, and hopefully it's interesting to you as well. But I have another article that comes from CU Boulder, and it talks about battery technology. Ford has formed a partnership with former CU Boulder Project, which is now called Solid Power. I've already taken a lot of your time, so I'm just going to read a quick description of Solid Power. By replacing two components of traditional lithium-ion batteries, a liquid electrolyte and plastic separator, with a single ion conducting material, the company's solid state batteries offer improved energy and safety. Today's lithium ion batteries require a bulk amount of devices to protect and cool them, whereas solid state batteries can tolerate very high temperatures without the need for cooling. We've been talking about solid state batteries since I started this show way back in 2016, which is insane that I've been doing this for three years. Until recently, solid-state batteries haven't been a viable option. It, it was really tough to get them out of the laboratory and into a commercial setting, and they still haven't done it to this point. But we talked about, last week, we talked about Prologium and Neo working on their solid-state battery. So it's going to happen, and it's going to happen, you know, within the next 10 years, we'll have solid-state batteries for electric vehicles. Now, you can make solid-state batteries for little devices, but making them for like an entire vehicle is a little bit more difficult. Solid-state, this is interesting, and in addition to Ford, solid-state has also partnered with Samsung Venture, Hyundai, BMW, and more, and that's just the tip of the iceberg. There are so many exciting things going on, not only in Colorado, but the United States and, you know, further out the world. There's so many exciting things going on with battery technology. It's a gold rush. And whoever comes in and solves this problem and solves it in a, uh, you know, cost effective and efficient way, they're going to win. And whoever is attached to that company is going to be very, very rich. Honestly, we live in very exciting times. It's just blows me away, the technology that is happening right now. And when we look back on this 30, 40 years from now, God willing, I'm still alive. 
we're just going to marvel at all of the advancements that we made between, you know, 2005 and 2025. It's going to be uh, it's going to be very impressive. Anyway, that's it for the show. Like I said at the beginning of the show, Patreon members, you have an exclusive and we're going to talk more about the Porsche Taycan event and I've got some clips, so hopefully you'll like that. If you'd like to get an extended version of the show, go to patreon.com forward slash kilowatt or support kilowatt.com and sign up and become a patron. You'll get a little extra every week. Well, that's it for me, everybody. Thanks so much for listening to the show. If you want to contact me, go to Bodie, B-O-D-I-E at 918digital, or you can hit me up on Twitter. My DMs are open at 918digital. Have a great week, everybody, and I should talk to you on Friday. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.